0: Hello and welcome back to Movement Is Life, a podcast brought to you by Intelligent Health. In today's episode, we catch up with Natalie Justice Dern, CEO of Rounders England, formerly of British Cycling, British Triathlon and the Birmingham Football Association, and Catherine Knight, Chair of Rounders England and Director at Intelligent Health. Did you know that Rounders is a sport that's played by more than a million people every year? It is included in schools up and down the country Today we will ask and discuss what the importance of Rounders is from playing it at school to joining in again at later life. The game itself really is a diverse and welcoming sport, often enabling players to begin further activities within sport as a result. Deep diving into Rounders England as an organisation, Natalie explains the history behind the game and their vision for the future, including their hopes to be included in the Commonwealth Games one day very soon and Catherine shares how sport has shaped her life and the impact she has made personally within the field. Natalie and Catherine also share some of their own personal experiences within sport and we discuss the barriers that still remain for some. If you're interested in finding out more about Rounders England, then please check our bio below. Remember, if you have any questions, comments about today's episode or simply want to get in touch with us, then please email podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk. That's podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk.
1: As as an organisation, Rounders England, it was formed in the 1940s under the National Rounders Association then, it was the NRA. Purely by volunteers, it was mainly, from what I remember, it was a group of teachers that wanted to standardise the rules. So that was where it kind of initially formed from in the 40s.
2: And it's a sport that's really successful, has a million people playing, but nobody really understands it as a sport in its own right and, and, and something that has a real validity to it. So there's a huge opportunity there.
0: So we know that physical activity releases endorphins in your brain, and that makes you feel fantastic. So by playing sport at any age, it improves your overall health and emotional well-being. Often people's relationships with sport can alter through their lives. For example, I used to love playing badminton and rugby when I was younger. I was in a lot of different leagues and things for sports for that. But now that I'm older, I enjoy kind of yoga and walking. So the first kind of question for you both is, do you think being active can really help us overcome challenges? Challenges within life, and why is movement such an important thing to both of you?
1: Yeah, I think it it certainly helps. I think obviously it's it's probably probably for me personally, it's the single biggest constant throughout the whole of my life that I think I can always kind of hook to in every. Every part of my life, you know, so I think it definitely, for everybody, you know, is a is a massive help in terms of either, like you say, kind of the release of natural endorphins to help, especially mental health. Bit of a no-brainer for me that it, it does, does help socially, mentally, physically. And like I said, it's kind of formed the the foundation of the constant in in my life and that obviously is probably the reason why it is so important Mm. and it's just part of our everyday life and I think it's one of those things that I'm not as active at the moment I'd like to be and my excuse is young children but I think the activities is just in a different way and for me and my family it's probably the thing that we do together all the time so um, it's definitely me personally has helped me overcome many many challenges I think throughout throughout all of my life.
2: Yeah I mean I'd, I'd say that um being active is a fundamentally important part of of my life it makes me happy but also it's what I've been able to be lucky enough to have a career in as well. And I was, I was thinking about this, thinking, you know, I've got really strong memories of a child rolling down a hill, getting really dizzy and just really enjoying it and just thinking, I love this sort of feeling that I've got. I've got this body and it moves and not knowing anything about sort of the science behind it. I've played lots of sports, but also I'm, I've always loved walking. And I found that especially in COVID or as my children are going through their teenage years, actually being able to go for a really long walk in a weekend with them. They download all of their, whatever's happening in school, whatever's whatever's going on, we plan what's going. It's really given us a, sort of a vehicle to connect and, and be together. And so it's kind of, you know, kind of instinctively that movement's important and being active is important. And I think it's only really when I started working at Intelligent Health sort of eight years ago and read all the stuff and listened to Dr. William Bird speaking, I kind of understood sort of the real sort of functional importance of it and what impact it has especially on your mental health but I knew that kind of instinctively I just didn't know the the detail but yeah I think it's vitally important for me but it's I've also been lucky enough to have a career in it uh, as well as enjoy doing some things
0: and I wondered could both of you maybe recall a particular personal experience you've maybe had within sport or something that really kind of stands out within your life so far so it could be something from your childhood or kind of more of a recent memory kind of how Catherine you we were just talking about walking and COVID and things like that is there something that really stands out in your mind to you there's something that really stands out to me I think like Catherine said I think as a child I I
1: do remember just constantly being active yes. my life was spent on my bike or whatever, or whatever bike you could find I lived in a neighborhood where there was just bikes everywhere and there was kids and you just picked up a bike and you and you rode around and, and I always remember making ramps on my garden with <laughs> for my for my BMX you know a piece of wood and some bricks and that feeling of like kind of riding and then jumping through the air on my bike and what have you, just everything, you know, when you really reflect, it's, it's, it's all been centred around sport and physical activity. I was a typical girl in the 80s, uh, growing up in the early 80s, uh, who played football, um, which was a bit bizarre at that time and um, I was at primary school and I played for the boys, a uh, boys football team, Preston North End boys football team, because it was the only team for me to play for. And I remember in school, we were split between boys and girls games for PE at that time. And we had to play skittle ball, which I didn't really like. It was just like a bit of a skittle version of netball. And that was in the playground. And in the playground next to us, which is the boys playground, they played football. And I remember being like really jealous of what, and wanting to play football. So and my mum and dad were really, I was very lucky. They were, very supportive about whatever I wanted to do. And they wrote into school because I said, oh, In PE, I want to play football with the boys. So my parents wrote into school and asked if in PE I could play football. And I remember them, my parents getting summoned in front of the head teacher in the head teacher's office. And I was sat at the back as my parents received a roasting from my head teacher saying, You know, it was disgusting that they were encouraging their daughter to play a boys' game. And I remember, and I can distinctly remember sitting at the back on a little chair thinking, For one, I felt really guilty because my parents were getting told off <laughs> about something I'd asked them to do. And two, I remember thinking, this is really unfair. And it's not until, like Catherine said, I've been lucky enough to have a career in sport. And it's only really when you reflect on that, I think that early experience really did shape and drive me mm-hmm. in in my job and in how I developed sport and, and the things that I'm passionate about. And like I said, at the time, you don't really realise that's having such an impact on you.
0: But yeah, not a, not a great experience, but one that, one that has really shaped me, I think, that, I always kind of think about. Because all experiences kind of shape you whether they're good or bad and that obviously then led to you having that drive to pursue it even more so which is a really good thing in a sense not that you should have experienced that but that you actually still went for it. Yeah and thankfully obviously things are slightly different now. (laughs) Yeah what about you Catherine?
2: Yeah there's so many it's it's interesting I suppose Similar to um, Natalie, my experience of going into sport was again, I played football. I played lots of sport in primary school. We were a tiny um, year group. We only had nine kids. So there were four boys and five girls. So we played everything the boys played netball, the girls played football. It just wasn't even a, an issue. And we got thumped by everyone because they were all the bigger primary schools but we were in it together and so I remember desperately wanting some football boots and my granddad buying them and my granddad was an all-Ireland champion of Gaelic football in 1939 so he was my sort of real sporting hero so for him to buy my football boots was like this amazing thing and I really thought I was going to go on and play for England I didn't obviously realise there wasn't one or I presumed I could play for the one England team as it was at the moment rather than an England men's and an England Women's race. And then when I went to secondary, I was banned and I just couldn't understand it. And the people who'd been my friends in primary school didn't want to play with me, the boys anymore, because the boy other boys laughed at them for playing with me. So the first thing I did when I went to uni was join the football team and I became the coach of the second and played for the first. And my entire university career was really dominated by playing football, whether it was for the hall or for the, or for the team. And I so enjoyed it. It was such a brilliant experience being part of it. And I think that has driven me And when I was looking what to do at the end of my degree, it was like, well, really, I only really want to be involved in football. (laughs) I'd done a philosophy degree, but I didn't. I liked it. It was fascinating, but it wasn't wasn't what I loved. And so I just thought, well, I want to work in women's football. I just didn't realise that it hadn't actually been taken over by the FA then. I, I knew nothing about it. But as soon as I was lucky enough to get in again, similar to Natalie, it's just really driven me. Those experiences of being told I couldn't do something that I loved for no reason other than my gender just seems so fundamentally wrong to me that all the things that I've been lucky enough to work on trying to tackle that inequality in things is really personal you can really feel it and obviously the other areas where I don't know so much about personally I can still understand that feeling of fairness and unfairness that really sticks sticks with you and knowing how much pleasure you can get out of it and how that really has to be available to everybody really sticks in my head um so it's uh yeah so I suppose that's kind of in the background of my passion in it
0: and when you were playing at uni was it a mixed team or was it just like women and men's
2: I did everything I played for a 5 a mixed team whether if you had a girl in your team you got an extra goal so um so I was quite popular for that and then the, the, the way I played for the women's teams as well, I didn't have much time to study, to be honest, because I really wanted to play football all the time. And I actually had an opportunity to go and work in, go and study in Greece for six months in the second year, and I turned it down because I just had too much football on. And I realised that what I wanted to do was play football, and so the opportunity to go to Greece was unbelievably exciting, but fundamentally I wanted to be on a pitch and I'm really lucky I have started playing again and I can't quite believe how much pleasure it gives me there's just something happens when I've got a ball I'm not very good but it just makes me feel really really happy so it's like that is really important I'll play for anybody basically.
0: <laughs> it's nice that you've had that constant in your life as well and that arc from when you were younger in your school days and then the challenges you had at secondary school and then going to uni and then kind of coming back to it a bit later in life like It's kind of been a constant thing, but obviously has kind of shifted throughout your life, which is quite a nice thing, really. It has, but it's
2: changed. And I think watching my daughter now, who plays... The opportunities are totally different and I feel really proud to have been a small part in helping make that happen because I've kind of dipped in and out those, you know, 15 years where I probably had very little playing. I was involved from sort of a from working but not from playing. So I think and am that easy to fall out of as, as it was then because the infrastructure just wasn't there. I think there's been a huge change in the last 25 years that will hopefully mean that someone starting their sport now can stick into it if you're, if you're a girl and, and enjoy it.
0: If listeners aren't aware, Rounders, which is what we're kind of going to be talking about in a bit, is a bat and ball game played between two teams. So players score points by running around four bases on the field. A fun fact that Mel came up with when researching this episode is it's been played in England since the Tudor times. So it's obviously got a really long history in kind of English culture. I didn't quite realise that it had been around for that length of time. But Natalie, I wondered if you could kind of share a bit more about the history of Rounders England and kind of its mission when you kind of like join the organisation and where you're going to be going as well.
1: Yeah, of course. You know, I think you're given a, a nice synopsis there. But as a sport, it has got quite a lot of history. As, a, as an organisation, Rounders England, it was formed in the 1940s under the National Rounders Association then. It was the NR purely by volunteers it was mainly from what I remember it was from reading about it it was a, a group of teachers that wanted to standardize the rules so that was where it kind of initially formed from in the 40s and then it remained a voluntary organization where it was all about just a bit of competition standardizing some rules standardizing competitions and what have you and then in the 70s is when they formed the first England national team and to play against Wales I think and um, that was formed in the 70s and again small volunteer and organization until the early two thousands, when um, Sport England invested a little bit of money into the organisation and to the opportunities ahead of it, and um, and here we are, you know, twenty years later as an organi- as an organisation. Yeah, its first paid employee was in the early two thousands, and it was actually my predecessor, the the chief executive, who left in twenty nineteen when I took over. She was their first paid employee, so it's amazing to have that knowledge, that experience and that history within the organisation. You know, she's still a big part of the sport and she's still somebody that, you know, I will ring and pick up the phone and ask some uh, some advice on or anything about the history and what have you. I took over in late 2019, so not long before we hit a global pandemic, which was a bit tricky. But I took over at a time when Catherine was in place, the board was very, and is very forward-thinking, to see the opportunities that the sport has ahead, really. So that was when I took over, and that was what really attracted me to the job was was the opportunities that the support that the sport has, um, especially in what people want out of their physical activity or or what barriers people face and actually how the accessibility around us does help to overcome some of those. So that's that's where some of the biggest opportunities we see that that uh, when I ke- when I came in that that we found. And obviously in lockdown, um a tricky time, but we we tried to make sure that we used that time to the best of the sport, really. So we spent a lot of time consulting with our partners in terms of writing a new strategy. Our partners, our rounders community, to develop a new strategy that really captures those opportunities and, and the unique the uniqueness of rounders and um, as a sport and what and the and the opportunity we have. So that was where then we we spent a year consulting and, and writing our strategy, and we launched rounders reconnected at the back end of twenty twenty one. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, we took it a year in the making. Rounders reconnected kind of is what it says on the tin. And it's using rounders to reconnect society to to something that they love, to reconnect communities who maybe are disconnected, but also to reconnect people maybe with a sport that they used to love, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of um nostalgia about rounders. And I was only at an event yesterday, and everybody you speak to who just says, Oh, rounders, I love rounders. You don't speak to anybody that says they didn't like it. They have fond memories of it. So Rounders Reconnected is really to kind of build on that that USP that we have, you know, to kind of transform the game, transform the sport, transform the opportunities that that we have and try and realise some of that ambition really so yeah again it's taking some of that history and and modernising it and and taking it forward really is is the key key thing
0: definitely and you've obviously had previous experience within football British cycling triathlon and all different things what was it in particular about Rounders England that really kind of drew you to coming into that sport in particular
1: when I started looking at it I loved I loved that history side of it I loved that USP about Rounders and I took that for myself personally I didn't, you know, I played rounders like majority of people played rounders at school, always had real fond memories. I played it with friends when I go camping. It's kind of the go-to summer thing. So I I think personally, with my, with really my passion about people having the ability to access sport and physical activity, that seemed to combine really, really nicely because I was like, actually, this is this is a real opportunity that that the sport has to to reach out and and tackle some of those real stubborn inequalities that that do exist. And I think that's the the key thing. In my previous roles, which I've been, you know, I was cast I was really, really lucky to to always work in sport. In my previous roles, it's all going from women's football and football to to cycling, women's cycling and triathlon. The first part of my job is always to convince somebody that this sport is good for them and that just give it a chance and you'll like it and, you know, break down some of those initial barriers that people might might have. And I think with Rounders, you just haven't got that. And that's, that's amazing. And that is really, really unique that... You don't have to spend that first part of your job convincing somebody that they'll love it because they already do, mm-hmm. um, and it's very familiar to them. So I think that was something that that really attracted me to the sport, and and obviously um, the opportunity to to be uh, chief exec and to look at that kind of the whole leadership journey that I was on, and um, and really learn from that, and without embarrassing her to to work with Catherine because I know I know Catherine from previous um, experiences in football, and and the board under Catherine's leadership are just a a great forward thinking board so again that was another thing that really attracted attracted me to the role
0: that's a good <laughs> segue thank you Natalie um <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, could you share how you first got involved with Rounders England and what stood out about the organisation to you as well?
2: Yes. Um, so, my first came across being approached to do the Rounders um, job of, of chair. I had no interest in it. I hadn't been looking, to be completely honest, but I left sport in 2014. I'd been working at the Football Association and I'd launched their five-year strategy but had not wanted to work full-time in Wembley every day so I'd moved out of it completely and, and joined Intelligent Health and started working on walking and cycling and had a bit of an epiphany about how I'd spent my life trying to get people in to do a specific activity when actually so many people don't do that and actually what we really need to do for people's health and well-being is get them to be active anywhere. So that was amazing and really interesting to get involved in but at the same time I really love sports, and I'm, I'm, you know, I find the the game itself, uh, you know, taking part in it, the engagement, the sort of competitiveness, really kind of just brilliant, and, and love being involved in it. So when I was approached to see if I'd be interested in being chair, I immediately thought, well, of all the sports to be involved in, rounders England potentially brings the two things together in a way unlike probably any other sport you can think of because as Natalie said just the fact that it is immediately accessible it's got a really low entry point you don't have to be paying for expensive pitches you don't have to be have a certain really expensive equipment or anything and it's something that you can have relatively flexible rules it's played differently across the country children can play at adults it's really inter- intergenerational so actually one of my frustrations with sport is it it works really well for sporty people and for the elite level and and sport itself hasn't always been as accommodating as uh, to open their doors and to create opportunities to play And rounders, genuinely immediately to me I can see the, the the opportunity that it really does and it's a sport that's really successful has a million people playing but nobody really understands of it as a sport in its own right and, and and something that has a real validity to it so there's a huge opportunity there to really try and understand what we can do to increase activity within sport and use around us as a driver but also so to um, to build Rounders itself, and to bring sort of the knowledge I've had working in, um, in football, especially for the for the past few decades, to actually then develop a new sport. And, and when I started, I was very very pleased that we had an experienced chief executive to help me through that because I'd never been a chair before and she announced she was leaving almost as soon as I started which terrified me and then I realised well actually that then provides another opportunity and she was really helpful to help set up what we did next and how we recruited Natalie but that's been that's been a really amazing experience to go through to help recruit new board members help identify how to build a strategy align it specifically with the uniting the movement Sport England are doing which is all about tackling inequalities but actually we did need to do much alignment because we were already there. That was the mission that I came into, Around as England with I know Natalie did and lots of the other board members all believe passionately that it it provides a really good route to help increase people's activity levels and connect them and have fun and do all the other things that, that is so important that sport can do for everybody not just for the really sporty ones but also can have a talent pathway as well so you, there's an opportunity to grow all of that yeah it wasn't something I've been thinking about but um, as soon as I was approached I just it, everything kind of fell into place and I thought wow this is, this is something very exciting and I was told off by everybody because I had enough on (laughs) three children and a full-time job but I think it just augments everything I think it it really makes sense to me and when I go and work with the board or with Natalie I just love it I have real joy I think that you know everyone says they love rounders I really do even having meetings about infrastructure and pathways and things is really exciting because it feels like feels like when I was involved in women's football and we were at the start and we were trying to build something it feels like we've got that great foundation that we can really drive forward and it's a really perfect time to to work uh, on something that can have real impact especially for women Um so and activity levels in communities it came out of the blue and I've seized it and it felt it felt right and I think I I feel like I've made the right decision three years in.
0: It sounds like quite a inspiring and kind of creative atmosphere that is within the team there as well and obviously how you're saying kind of making those differences as well and it's obviously a game which is intergenerational and is across genders and across ages, so it really kind of opens up. You can take part in the game as well, which must be a nice thing when you're trying to sort of say to people, "Oh, have you like thought about playing rounders?" And kind of how you mentioned before, Natalie, about having those memories of maybe playing it at school or people kind of look back on it quite fondly. So I think it's quite a nice sport to be involved with and work alongside, really. Definitely, and I think that that that's exactly the case the uh the fun
1: fond, the fondness people have for it is is really helpful but i think as well the 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 fact that it is like like kovner said it's a really low, low entry point but also it can go from having fun families having fun in the park to you know up to a talent pathway and really competitive leagues and that's that's what's amazing especially a lot of the women that take part in the leagues um they'll say they love it for all the reasons why we we all say we love things, you know. Sport is for social, for you know, our physical health, mental health, and what have you. But also, they love the competition, you know. The, I think we get um, shot down if we if we don't talk about the com- the competition that that is there as well, which people thrive on, you know. And it's but it but it's but it's at whatever level you want it to be. Like genuinely, it is that. It's not a case of that. It's competition. The way that is scary to people, it's that whole, it's the team ethos piece and it's the way people can kind of do it at whatever level they want to genuinely you know that is a genuine thing
0: about about rounders so can we say kind of as a sport that rounders has the power to inspire and provide lots of different opportunities for people obviously connects people from maybe different backgrounds and kind of how you just said there is that opportunity as well if people want to do it as a competitive sport or just as a way to kind of get more active and go to their local park and get involved does it have that power
1: Yes, definitely, absolutely, it, it absolutely does. That kind of captures it perfectly. You know, in terms of that power to inspire and and connect people and in, and bring people together. Like I said, I think the uniqueness is is that it can be at whatever level that player wants it to be. You know, and um, and I think that is quite key because the re- one of the fundamental reasons why I think it has that unique power is because it's quite familiar and you build on the familiarity. So yes you know, if somebody's not played something for a long while or like me, I've been out of team sports for quite a while. I know I've been really nervous going to something, but if I was going to football or if I was going to rounders, I'd feel less nervous. That's because I've played football all my life. And obviously I know rounders. And I think that that is quite key for people. And when we talk about, you know, people from different communities, again, that rounders is the thing that can connect them because of the familiarity rounders is quite appealing we do a lot of work with south asian women especially up in um, up in yorkshire and that's expanding out a whole lot more and they will tell us that the thing that that they found and why rounders really appealed to them is because they knew about it at school they also know that it doesn't cost loads of money they can take the family along and they can wear what they want you know sports kit is such a limiting factor for some people and, and has been over the years, unfortunately, and, and continues to be. Whereas, you know, there, there isn't that barrier, you know, when people can wear what they want and, that, and that's been steeped in the organisation for years. You know, we were, uh, our England team was one of the first sports that allowed somebody to play in a hijab. You know, because it was like, well, why not? And that's what's amazing about the sport, the you know, how naturally accessible it is in that way. So I think, you know, as you say, we can definitely say it's got that power to inspire and 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 the desire to as well. And the desire to to kind of grow that, make sure people are aware that there is there is those opportunities to you know, to reconnect with something that they love doing when they when they were younger
0: and in terms of younger generations it's quite sport can be such a powerful thing like encouraging them to like learn leadership skills lead healthy lifestyles build those sort of team working skills so many different things and a lot of studies have kind of demonstrated that if they do participate in sport at school it can kind of lead to better lives once they've left school and everything and rounders still kind of ranks i think it's fifth in the middle most team played sports at school so I wondered maybe if you could sort of share like who is your main kind of target audience at Rounders England is it people at school or is it widespread kind of thing that you're targeting
1: yeah we don't have kind of one target group we've got in our new strategy we've got some quite big ambitions and a lot of those are centered around growth and engagement obviously of rounders in the rounders community but it is a no-brainer that schools and um, playing in schools is absolutely a priority for us it is still played in schools so we want that to maintain we want that to continue we want the generations to come still have that same amazing nostalgia feeling about playing rounders you know so that we we do a lot of work um, with the youth sport trust and other partners with school games just to provide the kind of tools and the resources so that game can can continually be played to give the teachers you know some real simple resources to get a game of rounders going but then also provide a bit of framework to it you know because rounders is played with lots of weird and wonderful rules up and down the country which again is is fine that's great but if people want to develop further then some standardization of rules helps. So, if we can kind of have that at school age as well and develop those kind of fundamental skills by using rounders, then, like I say, it's a no brainer that that's a, a target for us to, to work within the education system. But then also, a massive thing about bridging the gap because we have, you know, 10,000 adults playing regularly in rounders leagues, um, you know, across England. But yet that is adults that often that probably 30s plus that are reconnecting with something, which for us is amazing. But what happened in between, Mm -hmm. you know, so how how do we stop this, you know, this kind of drop off when people finish school and then it's something that they pick up later when they go camping or whatever? Why can't it be something that if they want to, they can play throughout? So building that pathway you know, is is key for us is you know over the next over the next few years definitely.
0: And how popular would you say it is in schools? I think it is it's still really, really popular. And it's still really
1: popular right from just having, you know, getting the rounders equipment out in the summer, you know, just the teacher just getting the rounders equipment out or the teachers Playing, I mean, my son's school will say, "Oh, we have a, we play rounders. Our staff meetings once or twice a year, so it's it's popular in that. But it's also popular throughout. So you've got a lot of schools that still really prioritise rounders as their key summer sport. You know, where we have got you know a lot more competition growing now, where we've got things in place with the school games organisers that." to really give people that opportunity because, again, it's a, it's the opportunity that people tell us and kids tell us that they want but might not have the opportunity to play it more or as much as they want to. So I think it's it's definitely a popular sport, but just at very, very different levels to a very informal once-a-year thing to an actual um, you know competition or league or what have you. So, again, for us, it's about how we build on that popularity and, and just formalise it where possible a little bit more just to kind of maintain that that popularity in school.
0: And you kind of touched on this previously but in terms of the drop-off that can experience after school and that in-between kind of gap is there anything in particular you're kind of working on behind the scenes to kind of bridge that in between capital, we
1: we're, we're working especially with the secondary schools as well on um we were actually taking off the gcse um kind of exam curriculum a couple of years ago so that's something that in the scenes that we're continually lobbying for but but also looking at other ways through different um through btex through providing other ways of uh, people competing and continue to compete through secondary schools as well as working with colleges and universities that's something that we've prioritized really over the last 18 months, I'd say, because, again, we realised that rounders was quite a popular activity within universities, but, again, didn't have that competition element that that people want that ho- opens up competitive sport to a whole new audience of people, a whole new, you know, maybe they're not like the non, not so sporty students, you know, that maybe don't go down the route of playing in, you know, for the university's football team, rugby team or, or other things but actually they really enjoy playing Rounders for all the reasons why, you know, we think people enjoy playing Rounders. But again, having that recognition and putting a framework in place is really important to doing that. You know, we we know that Rounders through our research has definitely helped and tackled student loneliness, uh, the mental health of, of, of students for, you know, for all the reasons why what we've been talking about and that we're like, well, the we've got to build on this and we've got to see what the opportunities are and we're working with books at the moment the british universities colleges sport to create a competitive league structure and that's been phenomenal it's a great process that we're going through we get we're getting amazing support and um, so we're hoping that that next year when we've tried some competitions this year that next year we'll be on their framework as a as a competitive sport but again because it's opening up and new audience is opening up competition sport to a new audience. So hopefully that chipping away at that and at schools will start to kind of bridge that gap a little bit between not playing in school to then suddenly discovering it when you're in your 30s or
0: 40s. Exactly and I know I think a while ago were you trying to get an accreditation within universities to have that extra level of awareness of it being a sport that's played is that something that you've managed to achieve now or is that something that's kind of ongoing
1: that's what we're working on at the moment but we're, we're working with them this year on some pilot competition and hopefully next year that that will come into fruition but again like I say it's been a it's been an amazing journey to go through that you know, we'll 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 definitely get there. The signs are really positive. There's so many establishments, universities that they really want rounders. You know, so I think that, but like with anything at the moment, there's lots of sport on offer. So it's got to make sure that it's got to be right, and there's got to be, um, like I say, enough people and evidence to.
0: that that do want it and thankfully we're getting there with that and do you find as a game that the kind of social aspect that goes alongside it kind of shifts with the different age groups and maybe the different sort of communities that might be playing it do you see those differences
1: I think fundamentally the the social side of it probably you know that's a thread that runs through it regardless whether you're a child a young person or or an adult playing it so I think socially that that thread is something that literally runs through the whole of rounders whoever plays it but I think the reasons do change definitely you know depending on when you're playing or when you're picking up the sport or when you or or what have you so I think the the reasons and the social reasons probably do change a little bit more because people want something different at different times in their life out of their out of their sport you know I know me personally my my twenties and probably thirties. I just loved the the competition. I loved, I loved the camaraderie of team, you know, and getting together every Sunday and getting absolutely filthy and being in the rain and not bothering. With, you know, I just loved all that that team stuff. Now I couldn't think of anything worse spending my Sundays doing that. But I still would love the social aspect of a team, and we still, um, you know, do miss that miss that side of team sports. So I think, you know, rounders does it does change. It changes with people's you know, where they are in their life or where they are in their active life, really.
0: I know that the School Letting Solutions, SLS, have announced the launch of a national competition which will offer one group the chance to win a year's higher facilities at a school in their region. Could you maybe explain a bit more about that programme in detail for our listeners?
2: I know, you know, we obviously were working closely with the Youth sport trust. I mean, I suppose... Yeah. One of the things that's interesting with how we've got to approach it, things uh, how we develop the sport with rounders, is how we need to work in partnership with organisations. So we see it as a great opportunity that we're small and we can be nimble, and we can genuinely say, "How do we want to develop this?" We, uh, Natalie said we've spent eighteen months that the, the, the team they've got going out and really listening to to people who are already in the rounders community and also those who aren't that we want to talk to. But the, we're not going to be able to roll out Nationally, immediately, we've got to work with partners, and so there's some really strong organisations who are experts in their field, such as the U Sport Trust, who we can work with closely to understand where the gaps are in provision, what we can do, and what how Rounders fits into that whole ecosystem. Especially with you know thinking wider of the Sport England work and the concept that we're uniting a movement and tackling inequalities. Well, where does Rounders sit in that? Well, we we feel we're quite clear where where we are, who we can reach, how we can reach them, and how we can how we can offer something with those universal things that Natalie was talking about, about connecting people, being active, helping build trust within communities, that kind of thing, by using the um, rounders as as a, as a nice entry level access into sport and physical activity, also into getting people into parks and you know being able to get people. To be active really local at a hyper local level not having to travel far not having to access an expensive gym whatever it is being able to go around the corner and, and do something close to where they live within their communities we feel that what could be seen as a limiting thing because we haven't got you know a, a huge team and, and huge resources actually we can flip that by working with it honestly really amazing board of of talented people from the rounders community and independent directors a great talented committed small rounders team and then taking using tools and resources and partnerships to really build out and 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 grow across the the country because we know the interest is there it's just tapping tapping into that and providing some structure so working in partnership i think is going to be a big thing for us over the next sort of five ten years of our strategy
0: and you've both kind of said that it's a really kind of inclusive sport and it's easy to get involved with it. I wondered, are there any kind of particular barriers that you do face at Rounders England in terms of getting certain particular backgrounds involved in the sport? Or how do you kind of encourage like that there are diverse groups and kind of different members within a team?
1: Obviously, like probably like any sport, you have your... There are barriers, you know, there are barriers because, you know, although I like to sit in my, you know, with my rose-colored glasses on, everybody does love sport. So you've got that kind of, you've always, you have got that barrier. I think in terms of the things that we come across, for one are, like Catherine was just alluding to, we struggle to resource or meet the demand that we have in terms of people saying they would really like to get something going. So that's kind of a barrier just in itself. It's a great place to be. It's a great opportunity to have but also frustrating not being able to to maybe you know move things as quickly as that as that we we would like to. Um, I think in terms of the rounders community and getting rounders going facilities is is often a problem. More so since COVID, one access facilities is getting harder and harder. And and really when you just you know when we talk about schools, opening up school facilities is key. And the work with Youth Sport Trust around opening up you know school facilities to the community is absolutely vital especially for the likes of our rounders clubs rounders clubs and teams don't own facilities they so we don't have those kind of assets they're often you know utilizing space at a cricket club or on a school field or even just in a park you know so it's access to those facilities when you're effectively kind of maybe down the pecking order you know when people are trying to hire those facilities is is a real challenge especially Trying to keep it accessible as well, because, you know, especially with venues, you know, clawing back and charging increased amounts for use of the facilities because of because obviously they've been closed, you know, through the pandemic as much as they were. That, that's a real challenge for our teams and leagues is really finding those facilities suitable facilities to play on um, is probably an ongoing, probably the, one of the biggest ongoing ongoing barriers, I would say.
2: I think to add to that, one of the barriers I think I find is where our strength is, is that people love it, they can associate it it's a nice easy entry level Um, but as a result it's not then necessarily taken seriously as a credible sport in its own right so it's fun and typically it's played by women and children so therefore it feels like it's a lesser status now actually if we want to be serious about growing the sport and having it taken you've got to have a talent pathway you've got to have an opportunity for a talented athlete young athlete to feel like there's some reason to take part in it longer so as part of that and and Part of our strategy will be will be looking how we do that, where we take it on the international stage, how we how we improve that and strengthen that pathway. Because you've got to do both. So whilst we've we really know there's a very clear opportunity um, to grow it, we also want to help change that concept around us a bit as well to have that credibility because that will also encourage more people into the game to and to stay in it. And um, so so that credibility is is something we know
0: as well. Yeah, definitely. in terms of kind of future plans for Rounders England and kind of like expanding your mission as a whole Uh, maybe looking more at like are there going to be kind of international opportunities in the future kind of past England like do you have conversations with other kind of countries about sort of setting things up because I know the Commonwealth Games are obviously coming up later this year and I think you tried to get Rounders involved within that is that something kind of future plan-wise you would love to be involved within the games there and kind of beyond in other different kind of events and things?
1: Definitely. It is one of our key ambitions in our in Us Reconnected is, is to really use a key ambition of being, we've chose our words very carefully to be Commonwealth Games ready by 2032. It's using that kind of North Star as a bit of an aim to look at how we develop our talent pathway, how we do develop. With other federations internationally, there 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 isn't a lot of people. There are countries where other countries where rounders is played quite a lot but you know in the past there has been competitions against Pakistan India we have you know, our england team have been out to dubai there's a lot of expat communities in spain that play rounders and you know so the more we have this kind of growth obviously that that can only help us in terms at the moment we we're, we're working quite closely with wales and scotland and ireland as well because rounders is fundamentally played within schools so we we have ambitions to try and support some of the other countries on on developing rounders further and and developing that kind of international competition. At the moment, our England team are used really as a it's a showcase to really showcase the sport. and um, the a talented team of people that when you go and watch rounders being played at that level, it's it's unbelievable the skill level, the technique, um, how quick the game is. But at the moment we're quite limited. So we, we do have a fixture against Wales each year that was really important and and like I say it is always a really a great game to watch but that is that's part of our, our is to really develop that further in terms of the Commonwealth Games we're, we're going to be using the Commonwealth Games this year to um, to have a bit of a festival to um, you know really look at how we utilize the interest around the Commonwealth Games again just as another opportunity to try and grow to grow the sport and raise people's awareness of what of what rounders can do and what is currently available, really. So it's definitely, that is an ambitious part of of our strategy going forward that that we do recognise is is really important for the growth of the sport as well. You know, that talent pathway inside of
0: things is, is really important for us. And Catherine, you also work for Intelligent Health, obviously beat the street. I just wondered if you could kind of share a bit more about the positive impact of this kind of social game on local people and communities in general and is there kind of anything you can take from beat the street into rounders and kind of sport in general? Yeah I mean that's that's kind of what keeps
2: me so engaged in, in both because there's this things you know just in terms of both Beat the Street and Rounders, they are they meet the sort of um framework for behavioral change about that getting people into doing something because it's easy, accessible, simply and simple and timely. And so there's so much traction with both both sides of those. And also about taking sport into communities Uh, you know street games have just announced their strategy and it's all about doorstep sport and again it's another another thing And, and you know a lot of sport now is thinking about how we move out from where we are that expecting people to come to us to go into communities and take sport to them and make it relevant and accessible around us really is already there so that's that's a really brilliant thing and, and beat the street obviously does exactly the same it's a it, we've created a game a real life game with rules with points with leaderboards but it's in their community you play as you walk around your streets and your parks and your high streets so the two things are really closely linked and there's universal themes of benefits for both of them that make sense so it's about connecting people it's about activity and it's ultimately about kind of building trust within um within groups so it's they're both really powerful and and you know i'm constantly working across the two different areas and um both organizations and we're working really closely with sport england over the next five years or so And, and again you can just see the themes really make sense as we're looking in our strategic plan for intelligent house and beat the street and working across cities or looking on the operational plan that rounders have put together there's so much synergy in in what we're doing and it's about sort of humans it's about people and what matters to people and using activity to to bring people together and make them happier and healthier so yeah and then I think it's 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 good it makes things a lot easier for for me to get my head around but it makes sense um the two things are really are really closely aligned and in fact you're trying to do things for both children and adults that it's not this is what adults do and this is what kids do it's this is the kind of thing, whether it's sport or it's physical activities through Beat the Street that works for people where they are, where they live, where they play and work. So um yeah, no, it's good. It's
0: kind of that link, isn't it, that we've kind of spoken about through the episode of continuing that sport no matter what age you are and what ability you might have, and just continuing on with that. So and, and
2: continuing on with it, but also being flexible. So I think when I first started in in sport in the 90s, it was really kind of This is what I've got to try and increase participation in a very linear way to this sport. I think we're starting to move away from that. And I know um, the work Natalie's been doing with with organisations like Ready Steady Active, rounders might be the starter, but actually we don't really mind if they go on and do other sports. If they come in, they drop out. But actually just being active and being part of the community is what matters. And rounders can be the driver, but so could volleyball, so could parkour, so could it doesn't it doesn't really matter. And actually if we're working together on that then then you've got better chances of people staying healthier Um, so I think that's a really important change and I think the rounders offer really fits in at the the initial level for children and adults coming into sport and breaking down those barriers and then they can choose to stay in or they can move out or come back again and I think that flexible offer is much more suited to our lives now I think that I think we can
0: really celebrate. Some kind of more quick fire fun questions now to mix up a bit. So the first one is Do you participate in a club or a league at all?
2: Not at the moment. Oh, uh, yes. As of not very long ago, Um, so I haven't played football for a long time and standing on the touchline watching my daughter play, one of the mums invited me to join the development team of the club. So incredibly, both me and my daughter now play for Thatcham and Newbury Town Ladies. She's the under 12s and I'm the development slightly older But I can't believe my luck I can't believe That anybody's allowing me Back onto a pitch And a bit like Natalie Talked about earlier I was terrified It's quite funny And when I was playing In my 20s I didn't care Whereas getting a bit older I'm I'm aware I'm more (laughs) I'm more vulnerable If I hurt myself But it goes As soon as you're back On the pitch And kicking the ball again It's just absolutely Euphoric Slightly can't walk The next day But um, I'm thoroughly I'm thoroughly enjoying it And I've actually got Some matches now That are coming up Not only training So um, watch this space. I'm back. I think I've got a chance for England.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm very jealous. Do either of you have a favorite position to play when you're playing rounders? Either first, post or bowler,
1: because I am useless at throwing any length at all. It is is as a sporty person, it's just one thing I've never really nailed. And my friends, when they found out that I was working for Rounders, found it hilarious. They were like, "What is the one thing you can't do? You can't throw, uh, but I'm all right at bowling and catching, so I'm more right at first at first post."
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd say first post. I kind of I don't mind that. It's so throwing the field. I'm 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 really poor at. You've got to know your strengths and weaknesses. I don't mind. But I like batting as mm-hmm. well. First place to be my my position. I'd run to.
0: And could you name your best, almost funny memory when playing any kind of sport? It's, it's, that's, that's a really that's a really tricky question. Because my best and funnier probably different.
1: My best moment wasn't playing sport. It was at the Women's Euros in Manchester. And my my grandma, my grandma passed away last year, and she was the only other football fan in the family. You know, many years ago, I took her to took her to the um, England game in, up at uh, Manchester City, and um, and I think and working in football at the time. And um, we We're used to you know a couple of thousand people watching watching the England women's team play, and I sat up in the stands thinking this is really quite busy. And I think flashed up on the screen was eighteen thousand people, and at that time that was just unbelievable. And to share it with my grandma was was really really special. So that's I always say that's probably one of my best moments that combined a lot of love for me, you know. So and funny memory probably when I was near retirement from playing football, and I was stood on a Sunday afternoon. On the football pitch, I'd retired a few times before and I was actually playing okay. I just I came back and was playing for the season and I was thinking I was playing okay. And I was stood on a Sunday afternoon with the sideways rain hitting my legs, freezing cold, as a I think a 16-year-old ran past and said, All right, grandma. So and I think I'll maybe, maybe it is time to retire. But I always remember thinking. Oh wow, yeah, okay. There, yeah, I need to think about this now. But yeah, well, it wasn't a great moment, but I also look at it and think, well, yeah, that was a that was quite a funny moment when she ran past me. But I did keep up with her the rest of the game, so that was all that matters. <laughs>
0: exactly. Mine
2: so so my best moment I think was I mean I have, I've been really lucky. I've had loads, so it's it's really hard to kind of narrow it down, and you could do just small moments of me actually doing a really nice cross (laughs) or something but I suppose a a best moment from working point of view was in I think it was 1999 I was the press officer with the England women's team and we qualified for the first tournament we'd qualified for for five years and we'd been talking for five years no one had paid any attention to us we'd been working at the FA it was really low level (laughs) engagement Hope Powell was the manager Kelly Simmons was running the, the women's development side and really people weren't paying attention and we qualified and the press box was full Lake norion was full we would got all these plans ready for if we were to qualify that we we knew we'd then be able to really make impact and start this change that you can see today where the women's euros are going to take place this summer and there'll be tens of thousands of people going to all the games and coverage everywhere it was so far away in there and i just knew when the whistle blew that we'd moved we'd done it we'd flipped the first bit and the team had done it and now all the things we wanted to do where those players could be now become our athletes championing the game where we could start really transforming women's development for girls and I just I just lost it in the (laughs) press box and started crying and the whole press corps came and gave me a love (laughs) because it all meant something to them as well because they were you know amazing people that had been on the journey with with us you know so along with some sort of more established hacks but you know some some quite so young journalists in there who were just all blown away as well and we really felt like that was it there was a, a turning point and we went to the tournament and we were brilliant but it didn't matter because we'd actually got somewhere and we could build on it and and all of the work of the five years before then just suddenly turned into reality we could do it and we could tell the story so that is kind of always my spine tingling moment But I just think Wow, I can't I can't believe that, that I was there and, and, and that she was part of that. And then total opposite, funniest moment is probably my son playing football and under nines and they were the team that had the most fun I've ever seen ever. But were totally clueless about what the point of them being on the pitch was and they turned up week after week got thumped and I realised halfway into the season they didn't know the aim of the game was to score more goals than the opposition they just hadn't realised they'd been told so much to have fun that's what they were doing so they did loads of different things but once they you know the, the other team turned up and they're all stretching and they're all organised and their coach told them to warm up and Sam and all his mates turned around and ran to a neighbouring play park and started sitting on all the horses and climbing the their climbing phase and that was the running up and me and all the rest of the parents were weeping against each other with laughter thinking what has happened and so they had the best fun ever it's the most fun I've ever seen a team but the worst results (laughs) as a a, a combined thing so yes that's, that's I think the moment that makes me cry with laughter whenever I think of that team
0: they were lovely thank you for sharing that so if our listeners are kind of keen to get involved within rounders where would the best place for them to visit to like find out for more information and things in terms of maybe they might want to set up their own club locally are there any kind of resources on your website or social media they could visit.
1: Yeah, social media, definitely. The handles are at Randers England and our website. So we um yeah we have lots of resources available. We've got, we, you know, that's one thing we, we do have a toolkit to help people. If you want to start playing and start something in their local area, then that's a, absolutely that is something that we, we want to support with. Um, and as a very bare minimum we do have a toolkit to help people to do that. Uh, you know, simplified rules and blah, 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 and just, just some ideas on how to get things going.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you very much, Natalie and Catherine, for joining us today and spending your time with us and for sharing all the really insightful things you have about Rounders England on Movement is Life. Thank you so much for listening to Intelligent Health's podcast, Movement is Life. And a big thank you to today's guests, Natalie justice Stern and Catherine Knight for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Rounders England, from playing Rounders at school to the exciting future the sport faces. Remember, you can listen to any previous episodes of the podcast and make sure you subscribe so you never miss another episode. As always, if you have any questions for us, Dr. William Bird, on concerning this or any episode, then please email us at podcast at intelligenthealth.co.uk We will be back next month with two episodes. The first will feature the Women's Euros. We have some exciting and guests lined up for that and the second will examine sport around the commonwealth before you go please leave us a rating or a review and make sure you share this episode with your friends